say two things. One, about this past week, um, the Lord really blessed through our VBS and our Teen Explosion. And so I uh, just want to say thank you to all of those who had a part um, in that, whether it was um, bringing things for it, snacks, toys, helping to decorate, um, working through it, uh, you know, helping with the kitchen or sitting with the kids or watching the bathrooms or watching the parking lot or whatever it was. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much to all those that had a part in that because without, without you, we couldn't have had our VBS and our Teen Explosion. And uh, God just really blessed through that, and we're thankful for what he did. Um, Wednesday night, we had 162 kids here on Wednesday night, and so that's, that's a lot of kids. Um, and we praise the Lord through our VBS, through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we had three uh, young people accept Christ as their Savior. And then on Thursday and Friday, we had our teen explosion. We had over 70 teens here, uh, and we thank God for that as well. And through that, uh, we had six teenagers accept Christ as their Savior. And uh, so this, just think about that. None of that would have happened without you, right? That's, that's because of you. Um, if we didn't have people that were willing to volunteer and help and do all of this, that would have never happened. And so I just want to say thank you so much to all those who had a part in it, uh, whether it was just giving candy for the kids to come or whatever it was. Um, God really blessed, and, uh, and I'm so thankful for that and just to see what God did. And so, uh, you know, we talk about fruit on our account, right? You say, well, all I did was bring in some candy or all I did was bring in a, a little toy or something. Uh, that's what God used. That's what God used this week. Maybe it was just watching the parking lot and telling people how to park or watching the bathrooms or watching the games or something. But God used that in the lives of these young people so that they could hear the gospel and they could come to know Christ as their Savior. And uh, so don't think that, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't do the teaching. I didn't do the teaching. I didn't have to do the teaching. Somebody else came and did the teaching, right? Uh, but we had a part in that. We had a part in helping them come to know the Lord. And so uh, thank you for that. And what a great week it was. And, and pray for those young people. Obviously, we're going to try to be following up with them and try to help them to grow uh, now that they know the Lord. And so be praying for them. But just wanted to say thank you for all the help in that. This week, we have something exciting going on as well. Obviously, we have some events and things going on, uh, the Ladies of Faith and things like that. But this week, tomorrow, uh, Lord willing, um, unless a tornado happens or something, I don't know. But tomorrow morning, uh, they're going to start putting the carpet, laying the carpet in the auditorium. And uh, so we praise God for that. And that's really kind of one of the last stages that we need to get done uh, in the auditorium. And so they're going to start uh, laying the carpet in there tomorrow. And uh, so what I, if you would like, you don't have to do this, but I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. And if you would like to maybe write a scripture verse or something, you don't have to write out the whole verse, but maybe just the reference uh, and maybe put your name or something or uh, just something special. If you'd want to write it on the platform before they put the carpet down, right? Um, you say, well, it's going to be covered up and nobody will ever see it. That's all right. Uh, the next people that get the building and they start rip, ripping up the carpet and they be like, what is this down here? John three sixteen. what does that mean? You know, uh, who knows? But if you'd like to do that, we have some uh, Sharpie markers over there. Some folks went over between Sunday school and the morning service. Uh, if you'd like to do that after the service or before the service tonight or after the service tonight, or if you want to come in really early before the carpet people get here, but it's got to be before the carpet people start putting the carpet down. All right. We don't want you putting it right in it after the carpet is down. Okay. Um, and please just on the platform, not the walls, okay? We're not asking you to put it on the walls or anything like just the platform, all right? And uh, so we've got some markers over there uh, if you'd like to do that. There's some Sharpie things, and so 
Uh, I think that'd be great just to, uh, just to maybe write a special verse or something that means something to you. You can write your name or something, but just, uh, uh, just pray that God would use, uh, as we get ready to move into the auditorium, uh, that God would continue to bless and use uh, the building here. And Lord willing, who knows, maybe by next Sunday, I don't know if we'll be in there next Sunday, but uh, I think definitely by probably the 30th, by maybe two weeks from now, we'll be able to be in the auditorium over there. And so uh, that's exciting, getting closer and closer and closer. Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, I had you turn there, you're all sitting there waiting and I'm not even there yet, so let me get there. Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 7. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 7. He says, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness uh, and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for... Uh, Lord, just the great week you've given to us, and we just want to praise you for what you've done. Uh, Thank you that these young people, some teenagers and young people, were able to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ and uh, to put their faith in you. We pray that uh, you would continue working in the hearts that did not make that decision yet. Uh, Lord, that they would realize that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you just bless in our services now. Lord, use the message to speak to hearts and uh, help us draw closer to you. And Father, we ask your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week we were looking um, really kind of at verse number 2 and down to verse number 7 where we were talking about the dispensations. And Paul talks about the dispensation of the grace of God and how uh, the dispensations are not just time periods, but there is stewardship that is required and accountability and things. And um, and we are in the dispensation of grace, the Bible says, this dispensation of grace. But as we come to verse number 7, as Paul is speaking of this, um, how that the Gentiles and the gospel is being given, he says, "...whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given." that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So let me ask you a question this morning. What is the greatest thing in your life? What is the greatest thing in your life? Is the greatest thing in your life your possessions? Is it your career, your job? Uh, is it your family? What would you, when you think about what is important in your life, what would you say the greatest possession would be? Now, many would deny and say, no, possessions are not uh, the greatest. Money is not the greatest. Uh, career, those things are, uh, are not the greatest. But yet, that's really what we spend the most time on, right? 
we spend the most time on those things. Um, many would say, well, maybe their family is the greatest things in their life, right? When they die, they want to be known as a, as a good father or a good mother or uh, a grandparent that loved the grandchildren or um, they want to be known by, as a hard worker or uh, somebody that was faithful. And so, you know, many would say their family is or their spouse, their children, uh, their grandchildren. Uh, yes, maybe even great-grandchildren. If you have great-grandchildren, we say, man, those, those are just precious things to me. But can I ask this morning, are we looking with physical eyes or are we looking with spiritual eyes? As we saw back in chapter 2, Paul is trying to encourage us as believers not just to look with our physical eyes, but to look spiritually. He's encouraging us to see things spiritually with, with spiritual eyes. And I think as we, we read this passage, we see that Paul's greatest Uh, His greatest joy, his greatest glory was that God called him and gave him a work to do. God put him into the ministry. Paul realized how special it was to be chosen by God, that God would choose to to use him. And, And think about what he says. He says, wherefore, I'm made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. And in verse number 8, unto me who am less than the least of all the saints. And so there is, there's no doubt in Paul's mind as, as he's telling us this that Paul says, look, I, I don't understand why God has chosen me, but, but this is something special to be chosen by God. And, and Paul, as we, we think about ministry and serving the Lord, Paul did not look at serving the Lord as something that he had to do. Paul looked at serving the Lord as something that he was privileged to do. It was a privilege to serve the Lord. It wasn't something that he had to do. It wasn't a duty. It was a privilege to serve the Lord. He saw serving God as the greatest privilege that a man could have. what's, What's unfortunate is not every Christian sees it that way. Not every Christian sees serving God as a privilege. For many Christians, serving the Lord is a duty. It's something we have to do. We have to do it. Not something that we get to do. I have to do it. You know, I'm a Christian. I, I have to do these things right? I have to go to church, or I have to read my Bible, or I have to do these things. So what is it that, what is it that makes the difference from serving God to, from being a privilege to being a duty? From this is what I have to do, this is my duty as a Christian, this is what I, I have to do this because I'm a Christian, or This is what I get to do because I'm a Christian. Now, can I I tell you that that both both can accomplish something, right? The one that has to do it can still accomplish something, and the one that says, man, this is a privilege to do it, is going to accomplish something well. The, The difference, though, is going to be how it is accomplished and what takes place while it is being accomplished. The, the have to, the, the duty, this is what I have to do. Guess what? There's never going to be any joy in it. 
because we're saying this is what I have to do. There's never going to be excitement in it because this is what I have to do. And there's really not even going to be excitement in the results of it because this is what I have to do. But if it's a privilege and this is what I get to do, there is joy. There's excitement. There's anticipation. There's expectation because, man, this is something we get to do to serve God. Uh, I wish if, if you weren't here during the, the VBS or the, the teen explosion, I wish you could have been here and just seen some of the things. You, you know, nobody forced any of the workers to be here this week, right? We didn't go through and say, okay, if you're a member of the church, you have to work for VBS. You have to work for a teen explosion, okay? Um, we just, we asked for volunteers. But as you would watch, you could see that there were some that were just, man, they were just so excited. Honestly, I think they were almost more excited than the kids. I'm, I mean it. I mean, when, when Miss Joe brought Rocky out, I think some of the workers were more excited to, be, to see Rocky than the kids were excited to see Rocky, right? I mean, there, there was just an excitement there. They weren't there because they had to be there. They were there because they wanted to be there. Now, you could force someone to say, hey, you have to be here at VBS. You have to do this. You have to participate in this. And they'll be there, but it's not going to be exciting. They're not going to enjoy it. So, so think with me about this. Again, remember, Paul is saying this is the greatest joy that he has. This is, he is so excited about the privilege of serving God. And, and again, remember, it's not like everything went well for Paul. It's not like when Paul got saved that everything just went super well and super exciting. Yes, there were times when when things went well and and Paul saw people get saved. But as Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, remember, things aren't really going super well right now. He's in jail. Not a super jail. (laughs) Just jail. A Roman jail. And yet Paul says, man, it is, it is a privilege to be able to serve God. Now, let me ask you a question. When someone is sitting in jail and they're saying it is a privilege to serve God and someone is sitting in jail and they're saying rejoice in the Lord all the way. And again, I say rejoice. Do you think that they are having the mentality that this is my duty, this is what I have to do? Or do you think they have the mentality that, man, I don't understand why God would choose me, but it is a privilege to serve God? I think we would say it's on this side over here. So can I ask you this morning, which side are you on today? Do you look at serving God as a duty, this is what I have to do? Or do you look at serving God as a privilege? You say, well, how, how do I know? Well, I think sometimes you'll be able to t- tell by, is there an excitement? Is there an anticipation? Or is it just day after day, I'm just going to do it because it's my duty I'll be at church, I'll read my Bible, I'll do all the right things that I'm supposed to do, but I'm just doing it because I have to do it. So what is it that makes the difference? 
What makes the difference between a duty and a have to and a privilege and a get to? I think Paul tells us that here. Let's look at what this difference is. Is it a privilege or is it a duty? Notice he says, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. So notice what Paul is saying. Paul is looking back to the past, right? He's looking past. He's looking back to the beginning. Paul says, I wasn't always in this place. I wasn't always in this position. Okay. Paul says, I was made a minister. In other words, it wasn't something that Paul even desired. It wasn't like Paul signed up and said, Hey, I want to be a minister of the gospel. I want to be a preacher. No, Paul didn't sign up for it. He said, I was made a minister. He said, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace. So what could take a man like Paul? Because remember who Paul was before he met Christ. Paul was a persecutor of believers. Paul, who was before known as Saul, right? Saul, who was part of the religious system of Jerusalem. He was part of the, uh, the Pharisees. He was a very high uh, religious person. And he was actually persecuting those who believed in Jesus. He was persecuting those who were following Jesus Christ. So what could take a man who persecuted men and women for believing and following Jesus and turn him into a follower of Jesus? Because that's what happened. He was persecuting those who were following Jesus. He was persecuting those who claimed to be Christians or who were saying they were following this man named Jesus. He was persecuting them, throwing them in jail, allowing them to be murdered. That was Saul. But now, all of a sudden, he's over here by the name of Paul, and he's saying, man, there's nothing greater than serving Jesus. I would say that's a pretty drastic change, wouldn't you? That's a drastic change from being a persecutor of those who believe in Jesus to now being one who is preaching about Jesus. That's a pretty drastic change. So what was it that caused this change? What could take a man and change him in such a way? Well, he tells us. He says, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. The gift of the grace of God. You see, Paul understood that the only reason he was where he was at was because of the gift of grace. Paul did not deserve salvation. This gift was not something that he had earned Again, remember, he is, a, he is a persecutor of believers. In fact, when you, when the first time we find this man, we find him in Acts chapter 8. Really, in chapter 7 is where we, the first time we find him is he is holding the, the clothes or the, the kind of the garments of those who are stoning Stephen. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. And Stephen was preaching the gospel of Jesus. And uh, as they arrested Stephen, it was Paul who said, this man should be put to death. And then as they picked up stones and began to stone Stephen to death simply for following Jesus, it was Saul, the one who had given the consent. It was Saul, the one who stood by and did nothing as they stoned this man to death. 
And then in Acts chapter 8, in verse number 1, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, now watch this, he made havoc of the church. This is the testimony of this guy named Saul. He made havoc of the church. Watch, entering into, ha- into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. This was his past. This is what this man had done. He was, he was guilty of participating in murder. There there was no law that Stephen had broken, and yet he consented. He gave his acceptance. He gave his consent that this man would be put to death. And then he began to go around and just to break into people's homes that they had heard that were Christians, that were following this man named Jesus. And he would break into their homes and he would take the men and the women and throw them into jail. How many died at this man's hands. How many followers of Jesus were martyred because of this man? Do you understand? This gift of grace was not something that he earned. Can you understand that? He didn't earn this gift of grace. He was a He was guilty of participating in murder. He was guilty of taking men and women who followed Jesus and putting them in jail and and persecuting them. He did not earn this gift of grace. In fact, if each of us would look at our past, may I say that we would realize that none of us deserve the gift of grace. You say, well, man, I'm not like Paul. True. Maybe you haven't murdered anybody. Maybe you haven't consented to people's death. Maybe you haven't persecuted believers. Maybe you haven't uh, been guilty of, of taking men and women who have believed in Jesus and throwing them in jail. Maybe you haven't been guilty of that. And we could say, man, what a horrible thing. And that's true. It is a horrible thing. But friend, we are all sinners. Every single one of us are sinners. None of us deserve the gift of grace. And this is what Paul is saying. Hey, there's a difference here. I can understand. He says, it's not just a duty that I have to serve. Man, it is a privilege that I get to serve because I know this gift of grace I didn't earn. I didn't earn it. It was offered to me freely. It was there. God simply offered this gift of grace to me that I could be forgiven of all of that. And then on top of it, be given the privilege of serving God. Oh, it's not a have to. It's a get to. I get to serve him because of what he has done for me. And if each of us would look at our life, we could all say, look, none of us deserve this gift of grace, but thank God he was willing to offer it freely. And if we freely accepted it by faith, then we have received this gift of grace. 
Man, when you look at your past and you look at the things in your life, you say, hey, I know that I'm saved. I know I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. I know he's forgiven all of those sins that are in the past. Then, friend, can I tell you, it shouldn't be a have to. It ought to be I get to. It's a privilege. Man, I get to serve the one who is willing to forgive all of my sins. I get to serve the one who is offering this gift of grace and who is willing to take all of that away and give me eternal life and to give me a home in heaven. It's not a have to, it's a get to. Paul says, I get the privilege of serving Jesus Christ, the past. But notice the present. In the present, he says in verse number 8, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So now he brings us to the present. He says, look, I I didn't deserve it. It was the gift of God. It's this gift of grace that has been given to me. Let me ask you a question. What do you do with a gift that someone gives you? Now, I know the answer going through your mind. Well, that depends on what it is, right? (laughs) Right? It depends on what it is. It depends on the value, right? What do you do with a valuable gift that is given to you? And really, it may not even be necessarily what we would consider monetary value. It could be sentimental value. Maybe maybe your mother or your grandmother, maybe they're with the Lord. Maybe they've gone on before us, and they left something for you. Maybe to nobody else, to nobody else would this have any value, but to you, to you, it's valuable because it was from them. What do we do with a valuable gift? We treasure it. We love it. We keep it safe. We cherish it. We don't toss it around. We don't treat it like trash. We value it. We appreciate it. So can I ask you this morning, what have you done with the gift of grace. You've been given a gift. The gift of grace from God himself. From the very God that knew you were a sinner, knew your past, and was willing to send his son Jesus Christ to die for your sin and for my sin. And he gives us this gift of grace from God himself. And I tell you, there's nothing more valuable than that. Really, if we could say it really has no monetary value. You can't put a price on it. Because it's not about the monetary value of it. It's about who it's from. It's from God himself. God has given us this gift of grace. But why? Just so that we can say, I have this gift? Just so that we can say that it's mine? 
Is that why we've been given this gift of grace? No, no, look what Paul says. Paul says, I have been given this gift. He says, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He says there's a purpose that this gift has been given. Paul understood that he was the least of all the saints. Paul said, look, I can tell you, I am, I am nobody. When you look at all the saints, Paul says, I'm the least of them because I, he says, I know my past. I know what I did. I know what I've, what I've, uh, the, the horrible things that I've done in my life. He says, I know those things. And yet, God was willing to forgive them. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, I just, I just don't think God could forgive me. I know my past. I know what I've done. I know all the horrible things that I've done and said and committed. And there's just no way God would ever forgive me. Friend, you're wrong. You're wrong. He will forgive you. He offers you the gift of grace. You can't earn it. You cannot take anything that you have done and say, Lord, look, see how worthy I am? I deserve it. No, no, no. It is the gift of grace. And that's why Paul says, I know I'm the least of the saints. I didn't deserve this this gift. I'm the least of all the saints. And yet God still gave him this gift. God still offered him this gift. Did Paul feel worthy to be used by God? No, of course not. He didn't feel worthy, just like us. He had a deep sense of unworthiness before God. He considered himself to be the least of all the saints. In fact, in, later, in, as Paul is writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he talks about what he did and how he, he persecuted uh, men and women. He says in verse number 15 that, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul says, you want to talk about the chiefest of sinners? He said, that's me. Uh, there's, there's no greater sinner than I am. But yet he says, Jesus Christ was willing to, to save me from my sins. But he also understood that God wanted to use him to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, yeah, I'm the least of, of the saints. He says, I don't deserve it. But he says, unto me is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I love what he says in verse number nine, and to make all men, all men. Paul said, there, there, is, a, there is an obligation. Yes, there, there is a, if we could say there is a duty, but he said it's more than a duty. He said, man, because of what Jesus Christ has done for me, there is a privilege that I, I want to tell everybody about Jesus. Man, I want everybody, I want all men to know what Jesus has done. I, I want everybody. There's, there's nobody that I don't want to know. Back in the book of Romans, when he's writing to the church of Rome, he says, he says if it was possible, he said, I would even be willing to be accursed. Now, Paul understands. Paul teaches you can never lose your salvation. Please understand that he says you can never lose your salvation. But he says, if it were possible... He said, if it were possible somehow for me to lose my salvation so that Israel could be saved, he said, I would be willing to do that. He said, I would be willing to spend eternity in hell if that's what it took for the rest of Israel to be saved. Now, we know he can't lose his salvation. God teaches us that. But that was his desire. He wants all men to be saved. Paul says, I I want to get the gospel to anybody. 
I want to tell them about Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to listen. I mean, think about it. Where is Paul? He's in jail. Why is he in jail? Because people didn't want to listen. They didn't want to listen. They didn't like his message, and so they put him in jail. But that didn't stop him. I love when Paul goes to, uh, to, to Philippi, and, and he's there, and he's arrested, and, and Paul and Silas are in jail in Philippi. Again, another jail. I don't know how many jails. That would be interesting to find out how many jails Paul was actually in, right? But he's in jail in Philippi. For what? Preaching the gospel. And after he's been beaten and then put in stocks in the jail, not comfortable cells where you have a bed and all that kind of... No, this was, this was not good. And yet, what do we find Paul and Silas doing? They're singing praises to God. They're rejoicing and praising God. Why? Because there was, it wasn't just a duty. It wasn't just, this is what I have to do. Paul says, look, I know my past. I know what I was. I know what I did. And I know what Jesus did for me. And he forgave all of that. And he gave me the gift of grace. And now he says, I have the privilege. I get to serve him because of what he's done for me. You see, it changes everything. And it's sad that so many Christians have a I have to attitude instead of the I get to attitude. And Christians just go through life miserable. Well, I'll, I'll go to church. I'll read my Bible. I'll pray. I'll give. I'll do all the things that I am supposed to do, not because I want to, but because I have to. There's no joy. There's no excitement in serving God. But man, I can tell you, when you will recognize and realize your past and realize you didn't deserve that gift of grace and understand what Jesus did and have the attitude, man, I didn't deserve it. And now because of his gift, I have the privilege of being able to serve him. Look, I'm not saying you have to be a pastor. I'm not saying you have to be a preacher. I'm not saying you have to be a missionary, but just understanding I have the privilege that I get to serve him. I get to come and worship him. I get to come and sing songs like amazing grace. How sweet the sound. I get to sing in Christ alone, man. I get to lift up the name of Jesus. I get to open his word and read about him, and understand him, and and know him better. I get to go to him in prayer, and commune with him. I get to tell others about him, and so that they can know Jesus as their Savior. Can I tell you, it brings a whole different attitude when it's I get to, instead of I have to. And we're stuck in I have to. We're stuck. I was talking to TJ yesterday. And uh, some, most of you know who TJ is. TJ is one of our young men. He's up in uh, Brooklyn um, working over the summer in a ministry up there. And he said, Pastor, he said, man, he said, I really miss our church. He said, uh, he said I've, I've, I've had an amazing summer. He said, it's been great. I've seen God do so many different things. But he said, I've been in several churches in this area. And he said, Pastor, he said, I always, and he'll probably, he'll probably tell you this, so when he comes and he says it, just act surprised like you didn't hear it before. But he said, Pastor, when, uh, you know, I've always heard you and some others come and say, just what a, what a unique church our church is. He said, I never really understood it. He said, but I'm going to churches around up here. And he said, 
Our church is special. I love our church. He said, I can't wait to get back. He said, I love what I'm doing up here. I love what God's using me to do. But he said, I can't wait to get back to my church. My church. We had over 80, over 80 volunteers this past week come out for VBS, Teen Explosion. Not because they had to. They wanted to. We had people in our church that were willing to give. I was telling, I was telling somebody the other day, I said, you know what? You know what we get out of VBS and Teen Explosion? Nothing. As a church, we don't get anything out of it. In fact, we spend thousands of dollars during VBS and Teen Explosion. Thousands of dollars. You don't just rent an inflatable for free. It costs. You don't just have all these prizes for free that the kids get. It it costs. Our church spends thousands of dollars. Because it's not about what we can get out of it. It's It's not why we do it. You know why we do it? So those nine people this past week that accepted Jesus Christ could hear about him. That's why we do it. You say, well, that's just a waste. Thousands of dollars. Friend, can I tell you this? If no one, if not one person this past week accepted Christ, it would still be worth it. Now I hear people say, well, if just one person accepted Christ, it'd be worth it. If nobody accepted Christ, it would still be worth it. You know why? Because they're still hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're still hearing the gospel. And this is what Paul said. He said, my desire is that all men, that all would be able to hear the gospel. I want everyone to be able to hear. And this is what he's saying, that to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. He says, man, it's, it's so important that people understand that they too can know that they can receive this gift of grace. That you don't have to earn it as many religions teach. No, you can't earn it. Paul said, I'm a testimony to that. I'm the chiefest of sinners. I'm the the least of the saints. I didn't earn it. It was the gift of grace. And when we understand this gift of grace, this gift that we do not deserve, this gift of grace that takes all of our past, washes it away. That gift of grace that takes that old life and in its place gives us a new life. That gift of grace that before we were bound to a devil's hell, but now because the gift of grace, heaven is our home. Friend, can I say, if you've experienced that gift of grace, it should never be a have to. It should be I get to. The privilege of serving the one who gave his life for me. Look, I I wasn't Paul. I didn't put people in jail. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a preacher. But I was a sinner just like Paul was. And I didn't earn the gift of grace. It was a gift. And I remember the day that I accepted that gift. 
And that day, my life changed because it wasn't about me anymore. It's about Him. It's about Him. And yeah, look, I'm, I'm not saying since I got saved, everything's been ho- hunky-dory. It's not like everything's been perfect. No, there have been, there've been trials. There have been difficulties. It's not always easy. Thank the Lord I've never been in jail like Paul, right? We have trials and we have difficulties. But we should never look at serving God as a have to. Friend, if you have the gift of grace, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. We get to serve God himself. We get to serve the creator of the universe. So can I ask you this morning, which side are you on? Have you been looking at life as just, I have to do this? I have to serve God. I have to go to church. I have to sing. I have to give. I have to read. I have to do this. Is that, is that how you're going through life? I have to. Yeah, Can I tell you, your life is miserable. I don't even have to know you, and I can tell you your life is miserable. Or is it, I get to. I get to serve. I get to have a part in playing games with some kids. I get to be able to... There was four teenagers this past week that just moved into the area. Teenagers, not kids, teenagers. They said, this is our first time that we have ever been in a church. First time. Never been in a church before. You know what? We get to serve them. We get to serve. We get to serve this community. We get to serve one another. We get to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a have to. It's a privilege. I get to. Why? Because of the gift of grace. The gift of grace. So again, is it a privilege or is it a duty? Can I tell you something? You're the only one who can decide that. You're, God's not going to make it be a privilege for you. You can go through your entire life as a Christian and be miserable and it's a duty your entire life. You can do that. I don't know why you'd want to, but you can. Or you can remember your past and look at the present and see what God has for you. Say, I get to serve him. Maybe it's just playing games with some kids. Maybe it's out inviting somebody to church. Maybe it's helping somebody in line. Whatever it might be, I get to serve the Lord. It's not a have to. I get to. But you're the only one who can determine. You're the only one that decides whether it's a privilege or whether it's going to be a duty. I wonder whether our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning.
Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you say, Pastor, you know, I remember when I got saved. And I remember, man, at first, it was a privilege. Man, I was so excited. You know, after a while, maybe the excitement wore off. Maybe some things happened, some difficulties. You know, lately it's just been, I have to. It's not been the I get to. It's not been the privilege. It's been a duty. It's been an I have to. You say, Pastor, God spoke to my heart this morning. And I realize that's not the way he wants me to live. I don't want it to just be a duty. I want it to be a privilege. I want it to be the I get to, not the I have to. You say, Pastor, God spoke in my heart this morning. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. Just slip your hand up and right back down. Nobody else is looking about. God bless you. God bless you. It's been a I have to. It's not been, I've not had that joy. It's not been the privilege. It's not been the I get to. It's been the I have to. Pastor, pray for me. Anybody else this morning? Yes, God bless you. God bless you. The only thing that's going to change that is you. Are you willing to come to God and say, God, I'm sorry. It's been the I have to. I've been serving out of duty instead of out of privilege. Instead of serving out of love, I've just been doing it because I have to. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I think, I think I've been serving out of love. I don't, I don't think it's been I have to. or I, I think it really has been a privilege to serve God. And, and friend, maybe this morning you just need to make that again and say, God, help me, help me to be careful that I don't make it a duty but that I always remember it is a privilege to serve you. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, you say, Pastor Andrew, I'm not even sure if I'm saved. I'm not even sure if I died where I would go. And I know I I can't earn it. I can't earn God's favor. I can't earn his salvation. But I would sure like to know how I could receive that gift of grace. And that's you this morning. You say, Pastor, how can I get that gift of grace? If you'd like to know that this morning, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody's, gonna look at, nobody's looking about. Nobody's going to come to you. You say, Pastor, I'd like to know how I could have that gift of grace. Anyone this morning, just slip it up, put it right back down. And Christian, don't forget. Don't forget your past. Don't forget what he saved you from. Don't forget that it's a gift. You didn't do anything to earn it. It's the gift of grace, and he has a purpose for you now. And oh, to go through life with the privilege of being able to serve the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, to be able to serve God himself. What a privilege we have. Father, I pray that you'd bless. In the invitation, Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to realize it is a privilege to serve you. It's not a duty. Yes, there might be some responsibilities along the way, but Lord, we ought to look at it as a privilege that we have this gift of grace that 
you've chosen us. You're willing to send your son to die for us. And you've chosen us to serve you. Lord, what a privilege we have. Help us to recognize it. Help us to serve you because we get to, not because we have to. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. No one looking about this morning.